Well, good morning. Week. Good morning. Much better. I don't know why people do that. I just, I felt like it'd be fun to do. Yeah. It's not? Why? That's all right. We'll get there. Good to see you guys. <laughs> it's a family atmosphere here at K1. We just, we just talk, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, and if, you don't, uh, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Scott, and um, I, I serve on the district, but uh, I also call Kankakee First my home. And, uh, and so I come to you today not so much as uh, a district person, but as one of you. And, uh, and it's good to be here with you. Our pastor, uh, Andrew, is on medical leave right now, and, uh, in, and he normally is with us, uh, but today uh, he's in Indiana as his grandmother has passed away. And so uh, be praying for Andrew and Simone and their family as they are uh, there uh, and, and celebrating a life well lived. Very special lady in his life. Uh, it's good to be back with you guys. I've been gone for uh, three weeks, and... Uh, what did I miss? <laughs> Pretty much maintaining the status quo, right? No, no major changes, just keep on keeping on, right? <laughs> I leave for two weeks, Cindy, two weeks. You know, uh, so we're coming off vacation. My wife has been uh, prepping for kids camp. That's where she's at today, along with uh, 21 of our K-1 kids and uh, eight volunteers and counselors, and that's a pretty tremendous thing. They're having a great time at camp. I've had a chance to have a couple of dinners with them, and, uh, and I think they've only lost like four of them. So <laughs> like odds are when you go to pick them up today, your kids will be there, so that's a good thing. Uh, but they're having a wonderful time. I'm excited to hear the stories that come out of this week. Um, camp is a big deal. There are a lot of people that find Christ at camp. There are a lot of people that get called to ministry called to the mission field at camp, and so I want to thank you for your support, uh, sending these kids there, and for you as parents to make sure that your kids get there. That's a really cool thing. Uh, camp's a big part of uh, our summer, as my wife has been planning that. Uh, it's hard to believe we're about halfway through the summer already. Uh, that's a little crazy. Kids are going to be back in school before we know it, and, uh, and I, don't, I don't want our, our students to get rusty on their test-taking skills, okay? And so today, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a, a quiz and a review of our core values as a church, all right, and our mission statement. So uh, we're going to start easy. Mission statement, say it with me. We exist to live out God's story in our community. We exist to live out God's story in our community. Our world desperately needs to hear the story of the redeeming work that God wants to do in the heart of every person. No one is too far removed from the grace of God, and every person is called to life transformation. So we have the incredible privilege of being able to take that story, take that message to our homes, our schools, our workplaces, the parks we go to, the grocery store, the, the different sports leagues that your kids are in. Wherever we are and where there are people, we live out God's story in our community. And then we have eight core values. Now, these might be a little trickier because I want to stay in order on the slides, and so I'm not going to have you shout out the eight core values. I'll give you the first part, and we're going to see if you can finish the statement, okay? So the first one is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. We pursue God's heart. Our communion with God will determine the impact of our lives. Relational 
evangelism. We connect the disconnected. We intentionally create space in our lives to build relationships that connect people with Jesus. Okay, so those are the first two. Um, Cindy, you're doing a great job. I hear you. You guys are going to get these. Life on life. Discipleship, yes. I think that was in there. Disciples produce disciples. Everyone is a disciple and everyone disciples. Intentional apprenticeship. Leaders develop leaders. Every leader identifies, equips, and releases new leaders. Radical. Now, see, you guys shouted that one out because you love it so much. That's great. We hold nothing back. Jesus gave his life for me, and I will give until it changes my life for him. Profound humility. We choose purpose over preference. We gladly set aside our preferences for God's purpose of reconciling the world to himself. We do life together. We are created for community. We are committed to cultivating warm, relaxed, and authentic environments where people can thrive together. And the last one is missional living. What happens here doesn't stay here. This isn't Vegas. The church does not exist for us. It's not. You didn't know that. We are the church, and we exist for the world. So this is who we are as Kankakee First. We live out God's story by seeking intimately after him, sharing that story with others, and then doing life with people side by side, being generous with our time, our gifts, our resources, putting others' needs ahead of our own in this family that we call the church. I'm a, I'm a big Cub fan, and uh, a couple of years ago, they had a sponsor. It was a convenience store called AMPM, and their, their slogan is too much good stuff. And so every once in a while in a Cubs game, they would, they would say, AMPM, that's, that's too much good stuff. A buddy of mine, we would, we would use that if we saw a good Cubs game, if we played a good softball game. Believe it or not, Butch, I used to play good softball games, okay? Can I tell you how bad softball is getting for me, folks? Walking back to the dugout after I popped out, Butch said, zipper's down, man. I don't even know why I'm trying anymore, you know? <laughs> Giving it all I got. Uh, AMPM, too much good stuff. In that mission statement and those core values, that's AMPM. That's too much good stuff. We got to remember those things. So what gets us there? What's the foundation for these values? Today we begin a series on the greatest commandment. Over the next six weeks, we'll look at what it means to love the Lord with unwavering devotion, to give our heart in Christ-driven motivations, to surrender our soul by fully committing ourselves, give all our mind by having transformed thoughts, working hard for God with all our strength, and answering the question, who is my neighbor? Today we're going to look at the conversation that gives us our launch point into this series. In this section of scripture that we're going to be in, we're in the middle of several times where the teachers of the law are questioning Jesus. He's just come into Jerusalem. They don't like his teaching and the following he's getting, so they try to find a way to kill him. 
Yikes, like that's not a good thing. They question his authority. He begins speaking in parables. One group of religious leaders, the Pharisees, they try to catch him saying something he shouldn't, but he knew their tricks. Then you have the Sadducees, another group of religious leaders. They ask him a question, and he nails it in typical Jesus style. This brings us to our passage today in Mark 12, 28 through 34. If you want to turn there, you can. It's also going to be up on the screen. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And so when you read that, that first verse, that's what's going on. There's all these teachers that are coming at him, trying to catch him, saying the wrong things. They're asking him questions. A crowd has developed around them. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be in, in this sanctuary that we can gather freely today that as Sean has already talked about, that we don't want to come in and just go through the motions. We want to come into this place today and meet with you. So we pray that your spirit that's so evidently here already would continue to speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us. We want to leave this place differently than when we walked in. So help us. We give ourselves to you. Amen. So let's walk through this passage of Scripture some. Uh, Verse 28. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Kind of sounds like another uh, gotcha question. Like he's just trying to trap Jesus like the other people have been trying to do. But catch what it says before. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus gave them a good answer. He asked him. Now, the other teachers would not recognize that. They didn't recognize anything good that Jesus had to say. So this guy is different. There's something unique about him. It sounds like a legit question. Notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke him like he does others in previous passages. This guy could be searching for a real answer. So to give his question some context, uh, when he says, what is the greatest commandment? Uh, There were 613 pharisaical laws or commandments that they had, and 248 were positive commands, things you should do, and 365 were negative commands, things that you shouldn't do. So in these commands, some were considered to be greater, and some were considered to be lesser. And it's, it might be hard for us to wrap our mind around because we, we think in the context of sin, that there's no, no sin that's greater than another sin, but that's not what he's talking about here. Because when we talk about the law, the, the law that they used, they wanted to know what's the, what's the lens that we should view all the laws through. 
Because however you viewed the greater laws was going to lend insight into how you interpret the laws beneath it. So if you put your focus on the wrong law, you're going to interpret other things incorrectly. So he's asking him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing? What lens should we use to view all of the laws through? And that's a good question to ask. Where do we focus our attention versus where should we focus our attention? Jesus states that we are first to love God. His response is a portion of Deuteronomy 6. And that full passage says this. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what does it mean to love God according to those verses? Hear his words. Obey them. Never forget them. And never forget him. Uh, one of the things I, I love about uh, getting away on a, on a vacation is it, it gives me the chance to reflect. It gives me the chance to, to search a little bit. Uh, what matters in my life right now? What am I prioritizing? How am I prioritizing things? It gives me a chance to get out, seek after God's direction, ask him to expand my view and see the bigger picture. Jesus' mind was always on the bigger picture, right? He was never stuck in the moment. He always knew the greater plan that he had been called to. The same should be true for us. When I was, um, when I was in Sterling, uh, we had a coffee shop in town. One. One coffee shop in town. Uh, and it was called Airplay Sports. It was a combination Frisbee store and espresso bar because why not? You know, those things go together. Uh, I, would, I would bring our church staff to Airplay uh, once a week. We would, we would get out of the four walls of the church and we would do what we would call balcony planning sessions or a 35,000-foot view. Uh, see, when you, when you sit up in the balcony, you can get a better view of the layout, right? If you're, if you're on the floor, you can't see things quite as well. That's true if you go to a, a baseball game. If you're in the upper deck, you can see things really, really well. If you're at the theater, you've got a different perspective on the stage than you do. Even here in the church, you've got people that, that sit up here in the balcony, and they have a different view, although there are some that sit up there because they think they're better than us. <laughs> Taylors. I'm just kidding. I used to sit with the Taylors up there and we joked about that, but that's why we would sit up there. Wonderful people you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hear about that one later, I think. <laughs> uh, think about when you're in an airplane. Uh, when, you, when you look out your window, uh, you can see things that you can't see when you're on the ground, the grid of the roads, how everything is interconnected. You can see for miles and miles. You don't have that same perspective when you're driving in your car. From the ground, you might look up and see storm clouds. But when you're in a plane, you're able to get above the clouds and still see that the sun is shining. Balcony planning, 35,000 foot view, whatever you want to call it. We need that 
so we don't stay wrapped up in ourselves, but instead focusing our hearts, minds, souls, and energies all on the kingdom of God. To love God supremely is to know his commands, follow his teachings, and search out his heart. So here's a question. How does God want to bring his kingdom into Kankakee first and then the community through this church? When was the last time you asked that question? God, what do you want to do here? When was the last time you asked how God wanted to use you to make that happen? Have you made yourself available to him? Cindy and Shauna both talked about a desire for for unity and transparency that comes through surrender. comes through asking God to search our hearts, but it all starts with a deep, deep love for him. The second command Jesus says is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, some of us don't, um, some of us don't love ourselves very much. We're our own worst critic. We focus on our flaws. We gravitate toward the most negative aspect of our lives. And we believe the deception that the way we view ourselves is the way that everyone else views us too. But this isn't about how we view ourselves. When Jesus says to, to love others, but how God views us. And how does God view us? We are a new creation. We are his children. We are sought after. We are loved. You are loved. You need to know that today. You have a God that deeply loves you, just as you are. We have to recognize that we are loved children of God, and that's what we're called to give away. If God has filled our hearts with his love, then we have become an extension of him in this world. Because God is love, we must be love. Who is my neighbor? might be easier to ask who isn't my neighbor. <laughs> now, we have different circles, right? Doesn't mean everybody's going to be on the same level. We have different relationships with different people. So uh, how can you be Christ-like to, to those that God has entrusted to you closely? Your family, your friends, those that you do life with. How can you be Christ-like to those that God has given you a commonality? And maybe that's a coworker that you have. It could be a sports team that you like. It could be all the kids' activities that you go to, whether it's gymnastics or, or t-ball or baseball, whatever it is. You see the same people in all of these same places. How can you be Christ-like to them? How can you be Christ-like to those that God brings across your path for a season? In our community, that could be a college student, somebody that's only here for a semester, somebody that's only here for a year. How can you invest and be Christ-like into the life of somebody that God just gives you for a few months. Or maybe you are that student. Who's somebody that you can be Christ-like to while you're here just for a few months? And then you have the people that God just gives you for a moment. Could be in a, a grocery store. Could be that guy in traffic that does the thing that makes you want to not be Christ-like, you know? How can we be Jesus in those moments? Every person is your neighbor. You represent Christ wherever you go. So love God, love others. 
There is no commandment greater than these. Of the 613, these are the two most important. Maybe you could say these are the only two that matter. Matthew's gospel says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what does this all mean for us? We find some direction through the teacher's response to this in verses 32 and 33. The teacher affirms Jesus' answer. Well said, teacher, the man replied. What do you think Jesus did in that moment? Well, thank you, you know. <laughs> like, was he looking for, for him to, I don't know. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Loving God and others is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Another way you could say that, loving God and others is more important than religious practices. And maybe one other way, relationship with God and others is more important than the rituals that we hold. Profound humility. We choose purpose over preference. We gladly set aside our preferences for God's purpose of reconciling the world to himself. Life together. We're created for community. We're committed to cultivating warm, relaxed, and authentic environments where people can thrive together. Missional living. What happens here does not stay here. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. Relationships with others is more important than the way we do things. If that's the case, then the way we do things should be informed by the relationships that we are trying to build, not the other way around. We can't expect people to come in and adapt to the way we do things. We need to be willing to go out, build relationships, and let those relationships and needs inform how we go about the work of the church. So I want to ask you to do two things. Um, there's some shifting that's happening right now. It's okay to acknowledge that. You know why it's okay to acknowledge that? Because God's not up in heaven right now, pacing the halls, wringing his hands, going, I just don't know what we're going to do with Kinky first, you know. He's got this. So one, we have to commit to prayerfully seek after God to reveal his plans for Kankakee first. And then two, we have to commit to willingly follow wherever he leads. Don't get swept up in any currents of anxiety or worry. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Your faith. All that stuff that you can't see and figure out. The things that God hasn't revealed to you yet. As long as our focus is on building our relationship with our Heavenly Father and those that he entrusts to us, he's going to provide all the direction and all the peace that we need. So rest in him. And then lastly, verse 34. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. 
And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now, this is the, the tough part, kind of the scary part. Jesus delivered a word. The man understood it. He knew what it meant to implement it. But Jesus didn't say, your understanding has brought you into the kingdom of God. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What the man still had not done was recognize Jesus as Messiah, the one who would save him. Let's not make that same mistake. Let's let's commit to make sure that our relationship with God is our first priority. Let's commit to make sure that our motives, our thoughts, and our words, and our actions are directed by him. Let's commit to make sure that we will let him be our guide, that we will be obedient to follow, and we will go wherever it is that he leads us. I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up as we close today. Our love for God is a response to God's love for us. So I want you to to bow your heads and and think about this today. Is anything holding you back? Do you love God with everything that you have? Have you given him all that you are? We can't pick and choose aspects of our lives that we'll hand over and then keep some parts to ourselves. We give it all. Jesus gave his life for me. We give until it changes our life to him. If we want unity, this is the first step. Love God.